hard work, gun-toting cats atop flame-nostriled unicorns, this is Carbon 4 Brewing in Madison, Wisconsin. Come along and hang out with the guys behind the Fantasy Factory curtain. Be exposed to those backroom, unfiltered meetings where the beer geekery is on point and beer trends are dissected. We've got Ryan and Joe here with the Carbon 4 podcast and Unhinged Brewery Tour. So when we record these podcasts for everybody out there in cast land, we uh, we basically have time like like once a month to sit down to get together to record some of these. So uh, the, the first episodes that have been put out there, we kind of did a marathon session only taking pee breaks. <laughs> if that even people just kind of disappeared through the conversation. And John's been doing an awesome job of uh, chopping up the conversation, dealing with our schizophrenia, trying to like write notes to himself about where the conversation went here and there and and piece together something. So you might have noticed in the first episodes, there's a little bit of jumping around here. There are just like just some cuts that it seems like, hang on, just, you know, was this was this kind of put together? And, and yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's a big, good, big, long chunk of discussion. That's great. So John's been the wizard, making us sound coherent. Uh, and, uh, and we decided, you know what, on the next time we sit down, let's, let's try just doing a couple of different, uh, focused sessions. So you might see our podcast, uh, where we have, you know, anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes. I mean, if we end up going on for a little bit longer on a topic, so be it, you know, but we'll try to have like kind of a nice bite size, you know, lunch break, uh, podcast, uh, topic here. So that's where it'd be great if you guys give your input on any questions you want us to expound upon for a bit, something you might want to know from a brewery tour or anything about beer or just life or like the industry doesn't even have to relate to this at all. We can talk about quantum physics, string theory, multiverse, anything, you know, go on any topic that, that you guys want. We're also, uh, been discussing, uh, having guests on. In fact, we had somebody who is here today. We'll have on a future podcast. Um, uh, but he had a couple hour drive ahead of him, had to had to shove off and 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 get on the road. We're gonna find we got a lot of good friends here in the brewing industry and in the local Madison scene too. Uh not just brewing, but uh, or even beer or restaurants or bars, but a lot of other cool things. Uh it, things are Madison are known well for, you know, biotech, uh, uh technology, uh, you know, education, whatever. So we'll we'll pull people in from time to time. This doesn't have to be just about beer. But, uh, you know, maybe a shot of Madison through the lens of us living in a craft brewery, interacting with the city, because we get to see beer opens a lot of doors, guys. Uh, you know, you, you get to get the see the back room of a lot of places delivering beer or, you know, people want to walk you around, too. So I've uh, in my career, 16 and a half, 16 and a half years now as a craft brewer, and I've got to meet the most extraordinary people. Sometimes uh, you can get your car fixed faster because you show up with a couple cases of beer or people go above and beyond. You, you spread some cheer, you spread some t-shirts, you bring them in through the, you know, give them a brewery tour. You just kind of, you know, something that makes them happy and they, people love to reciprocate all the way to taking a ride in a fighter jet, you know? So like uh, just the coolest things uh, in life. It's been an extraordinary ride. And that's, I think that's the point of this podcast is to, um, to just kind of share those things, you know, cause there's, there's no point in keeping them all to ourselves, to myself, inside these walls, there's extraordinary people we get to know. And Joe, he probably gets sick of me saying this too, but I mean, he's expounding upon how much he hates floor stackers and everything else. But, uh, uh, you know, he's an actual bona fide uh, rocket scientist over here. You know, he's 
Joe's an extraordinary. He's he's got a great story too. I mean, I, everybody in the team's like that. Uh, so kind of hearing hearing people's perspective is great. So we're sitting down when we get to record now. We'll try to chop up like two, three, four recording sessions depending upon our schedule. So I'm going to see if you guys can pick out uh, as we're drinking which one which which order they were recorded in. We'll see. Maybe there's maybe there's riffs on jokes from previous episodes. We'll see how it goes here. We'll see. Uh, this is our first time doing it. I think we're doing good so far. So uh, um, the topic for this one, uh, we talked a little bit, uh, trying to brainstorm on on this one, a little bit about NA beers and and recipe writing. Um, and we'll see in our discussion if we can get those two to uh, match up. So actually, whoa, look at that. Oh, yeah. You should answer that right now. <laughs> All right, cool. On the air. Why don't you start on... Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hey, we're recording a podcast now, live right now. You're on the microphone. Oh, well, hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, parked uh, by, your, by your sign at 3676 down on the end here. Oh, yeah. We're come right in the... Come in that door. It's unlocked. And then we got we got a set of microphone. It's locked right now. Oh, it's locked. Does Zach lock it? I'll be out in a sec. Are you in the warehouse side or the office side? Uh, I'm on the very far end where the, I think your cooler and all that is. Are you on the back parking lot or in the front? Yep, the back. Oh, in the back. Yeah, the back is locked. No, well, Joe's Joe's going down there. This is going to be a really cool episode because here he is. He's going to roll in and actually, yeah, you can sit down and, and talk to us for a few minutes on the podcast if you want. Sounds good. Well, I'll, uh, I'll see you guys in a minute. Sounds great. So that was not planned. It really wasn't planned. <laughs> so who was on the phone there is Chris Riffenberg. He was the uh, head brewer at Ale Asylum. He was with them from the very, very beginning. Um, there's pictures of him sitting on top of the cold room when they first built it and such, and that's how I met Chris. And uh, he's now the uh, the head brewer, brewmaster over at Topsy Turvy in, uh, in Lake Geneva. So he was coming in to drop off uh, some stuff and say hi to us say hello and uh we'd asked before if he wanted to be on the podcast he didn't get back to us we're kind of uh surprising him so here we go he's uh gonna be walking in here a second we'll see if we can strike up a fun little conversation uh and uh and if not we'll start over this whole podcast and record something later so we'll see how it goes but uh, walking from the back of the building up to here and then maybe we can get him to kind of tell us if in a condensed version the next 15 minutes or 20 minutes maybe a high level view of you know what what that roller coaster ride was was like. What's up, Riff? Come on, here's your seat over here. Yeah, do you, what do you want? I got time for a beer. Yeah, it's time for a beer. I got time for a beer. Yeah, Yo, dude, haven't seen you in a bit. Oh yeah, man. Talked a lot on the phone. Haven't seen you in a bit. Just gonna go get him a beer. So we've been doing like marathon recording sessions uh, the, for the last couple of months. At this time, we're we decided to do like three little independent sessions. And actually we had a friend here from a different brewery in town too. We were asked him to be on or if he wanted to talk for a bit and he, um, he had to hit the road and go, but that's when I was calling you earlier today. When he missed call, I was going to be like, Hey, we're, we're recording. Do you want to jump on and be like, are you like, you're our first guest. You're our first oh. official guest right now. Thanks for having me. So I introduced you while you're coming from the back. It's Chris Riffenberg on the microphone now. Hi everybody. Hey. <laughs> I've been driving for a while, so I haven't really been talking. <laughs> He's been all alone. <laughs> so I have been all alone, all in my head, thinking about all the things I need to do. Nice. So what? Is, so this is just, your, uh, uh, just a 
You guys just drink. This is John. Sorry, producer. Do you, do you know Chris? You guys met before? No. Thanks, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Okay. Uh, you just just do this, and does it go on your web page, or does it go like on your? Yeah, it'll be on like anywhere you find podcasts. So yeah, nice. yeah. cool. So we we just kind of that's that's John's job. So we just he had interviewed us for a Porn of the Round podcast a, a while ago, okay. and we thought, man, it's this cool cat, and yeah. and his setup was perfect, and yeah. and before we got recording, or maybe it was like after later on, we're like, hey, we're we've been talking for a, a while now about doing it for ourselves, but I have no idea how we're going to record it, how to upload it, all the stuff. And you have like the gear. I'm like, do you, is this like hobby or do you, he's like, no, I actually like do production, you know? And I, we're like, well, would you help us? He said, well, of course, anything's possible for a fee. <laughs> no, he didn't say. And some beer. Yeah. Hey, the <laughs> first thing beer was like, works. yeah, of course. Yeah. That's would be great. So he, maybe he, some money, right? Yeah. He, <laughs> he puts up with us and he's the chief, uh, chief cat herder. That's awesome. That's very cool. That's good. It's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Here's the cats. Keeps us in line. We usually, we have a rough, not a script really, but we try to outline what we're going to do. And, and if we go off on tangents, he, he does the redirect. That's what I was wondering. I was like, yeah. is this just a free for all kind of thing? I'm glad you have a, got to have something together, right? We have five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Five Wrap minutes, it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> Give us the finger over here. Well, we were like just starting in here. I was just saying at the very beginning, I was like, hey, we we're going to talk about some NA beers and, and how to write a recipe and stuff like that. But um, but we can totally take a left turn. You're here. And if if you want to, Chris, is, I mean, I know you just put the headset on the microphone, kind of ambushed you here a little bit. But if if you want to, the one reason I was going to ask you on, too, was like you're one of the few people who was at Ale Asylum day one. I've seen yeah. – I found the picture of you sitting on top of the cold room when you guys first built it. and. Yeah. And you're like, which is where we're at. The location we're at on Kinsman Boulevard is yeah. where you did that and started it, yeah. and rode yeah. the wave up. And and now you're with Topsy Turvy and such. And yeah. I just, you know, there's a lot of people that even ask us as we're going around. You know, like, hey, you know, what happened, or what's the story, or what's the thing? And and I'm I'm not asking you the question of like, hey, what happened, but more like, yeah. I would love to hear some cool stories from from your start with Ale Asylum here and going there and and. Uh, you know, when you guys like even even just moving buildings or what it was like getting yourself off the ground. Because by the time we I we started professional brewing pretty much the same exact time, but I was in Montana working for someone else. You were here in this market. So by the time I came to the Madison market, you guys were making way more beer than I had at that time for a year. And you were dealing with a different scenario. And yeah, I'd love to hear what yeah. it was like. You know, 2005 was a whole different time. I mean, that's... I'm going to pull Joe Rogan and say, if you want to get like one fist away from the microphone. Yeah. Well, I mean... We all have to kind of take this in the, the beer industry has grown and expanded in different ways, different kinds of products, different uh, styles of beer, different philosophies of making things, different people, smart people that come in. And, you know, 2005 was, um, you know, there weren't a lot of craft breweries at the time. Um, I actually, before we started the Ailes I was at the Angelic Brewing Company. And they, um, I worked with Dean down there and, uh, auto work down there as well. And <laughs> scope worked down there as well. Did you start there? Was Dean 
just brewing and then you came on part-time or what was the like yeah. when you started angelic what was angelic all about so because that's actually our brew house right now right the old angelic brew house it's not it's not uh-huh. no it's not it uh we we didn't want that bro oh, it was, was so bad no it was, it was so bad that's the old angelic brew house no the process piping is the handrail no no but now some of the process piping um uh, well the handrail was some of the process piping over there but um, so where did this brew house come from so not this brew house was was a was a was kind of a we bought it from, I think it was called Weeping Radish Brewery down in North Carolina. They were a brew pub chain, and they um. I'm learning. I'm hearing this for the first time. Yeah, Please they know. were a brew pub chain, and and they were they had about seven breweries, and they had and they kind of consolidated stuff. And um, Dean had gone down there, uh, you know, looked at some stuff, and they were just basically bare bones tanks. I mean, honestly, the kettle that you guys have was supposed to be a direct fire kettle. Mm-hmm. If you look at the back, there's actually a blower, a, mm-hmm. a big old hole for where that's supposed to be. And and then once it got in here, we started thinking about other things, other ways. We're like, okay, well, let's um, Don Vasa. He was helping us do this. So, well, let's um, <laughs> let's just make this an external shell and two peat exchanger because we had to do all sorts of other piping. And so we we got a shell and two-peat exchanger, and it became that what you guys have right now. You know, the hot liquor tank, I think we had bought it from a, from some, another, some, some auction. Um, you know, a lot of the kegs, we just kind of had them. You know, we had a lot of kegs. The tanks were actually from the Angelic, uh, the 15-barrel tanks uh, that we had taken. Okay. Those low-pressure ones? No, no, the uh, those were the Bohemian tanks, uh, the the sites tanks that were the fifteen barrel fermenters that we had over at the Yellowstone gotcha. were actually from the Angelic as well. Um, so yeah, we you know we we basically said hey, well let's put some some good beer in some cans or some bottles and kegs and we said let's let's do this and and in two thousand five, I mean I think there was only. <laughs> You know, twenty six hundred breweries. I think at the time. What what are we up over? No, 10, there was less 10, than like, There wasn't even eighteen hundred when we opened. Yeah, so I mean, like they were still pre prohibition levels. Yeah, or like 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 seriously, the amount of breweries that's kind of started up. Um, not that that has anything to do with like how things go or you know everything like that, but um, there's a there's a lot of movement, you know, and and there's a lot of new new people that come into the to the fate or to to making beer. People that know how to make different styles of beer, right? And mm-hmm. and as we know, I think every four years we got a new palette, right? We got new palettes coming out. New, I think it's every six months. Sure, now. like whatever that is, yeah, but it, you know, is- you know, it's just there's always new uh, satiation for different styles of beers, and and I think you know for a long time we could you know sit and make a pale ale, we could sit and make a you know a, a pilsner, we could make you know pretty you know. Like this guy right here, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I mean, like you, you could hoplicious, you know, you could, you could do a lot of that stuff. You got to kind of do a little bit different stuff now. So, you know, 2005, we moved in, we did some cool things. Um, You know, we were growing like crazy, (laughs) couldn't make beer fast enough. Um, And then just said, Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's go rent another building built for us rented. And then, um, you know, a lot of a lot of things happen. Um, a lot of other breweries came into the to the picture, and and you know, uh, sometimes you have to be able to move quickly enough um, for things to to keep continuing to rise. So, you know, well, tell me some about. I, I mean, we're at where we're at, and I'm, and that's not even the point of my question. Even asking here too, but like, there's a lot of success that you guys had. There's a lot of a lot of ground that you guys covered a lot of ice you broke you know like there's a lot of cool things you guys did. i mean i had never even seen an external calandria 
the external shell and tube. I'd never even thought of that or, or even had the concept in my mind. And I'd been brewing for six and a half years when I first saw it. And I was like, oh my God. And now I don't want to brew beer without it. Yeah, you know, like, so there's a lot of yeah. cool shit that I learned yeah, from you guys. Yeah. And, and I mean, my, I, I was living in Montana for eight years. I came back to the Dells for my um, bachelor party, even though my wedding was out, out in Montana, I came here to do that. And my whole bachelor party was Hopalicious and Sticky McDougal. That yeah. was it. Yeah. That and, and then Couple bourbon, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah. like that was, yeah. I mean that for me, that was it, you know, like, and my yeah. brother would call me and be like, Oh, they got this cool satisfaction Jackson. Oh, you know, like, man. So there was a lot of cool. Oh, there were blackout there. nights from that one for sure. Yeah. So I, tell me I about mean, some of that fun stuff too. I mean, you guys went gangbusters for that while. That yeah, was well, I mean, you, awesome. have to, you, have to, you, have to, you have to think that for a long time, I mean, around this place, you know, we were really one of the first craft breweries that packaged, you know, that could actually get bottles and, and kegs out to, to market yeah, like really that was local, that was really, that was yeah. really local. And then, you know, more started coming around and then packaging beer and, and then... I think you start growing as well. I think you start realizing, oh yeah, let's package beer. And then all of a sudden you realize, man, we need to do so much stuff to make this the right way, the same way all the time. And so I think that those mountains become bigger, especially as other players come in and they start making great beer like you guys did. And, every, and not even saying that that you know, was necessarily like direct competition, but I mean, there is so many breweries from even Milwaukee, from, you know, uh, Green Bay, uh, you know, up Eau Claire, you know, Brewing Project, you know, uh, you know, all these brews. So, I, I mean, you, you kind of, you know, you have to, I don't know, navigate those waters. And, and we did a lot of that. We broke a lot of ground. We, we brought out a lot of different styles, but then as more come along, I mean, you got to do it better. You have to do it better all the time, every day. Like you said, four years, oh, you're behind, right? Yeah. If you're not, you know, looking for the next three hours of it, you're, you're kind of behind. So, you know, a lot, a lot of times when you get so involved in the, the numbers and the management and all that stuff, you lose sight of some of the other stuff that needs to happen. And, and I think what a lot of breweries like yourselves have done is front, surrounded yourself with teams that can, that can think and help you guys think in the ways that you aren't able to every day. You know what I mean? Because I know that we're only so much capable of doing so many things in a day. Um, owning a brewery is extremely difficult. It, it's labor intensive. It, it's got, it's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sacrifice um, you having four kids, dude, you having three, uh, three kids, you know, uh, two, two kids. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into that and every day. And then you have a beer after work and you're like, Oh honey, I'll be home in a half hour. And you know, I mean, and that can get old after a while, but I think that, you know, Oh yeah. It's old for my wife. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's listening. But, She'll tell you. She, I've, what time were you thinking? Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, uh, out the door at six o'clock. Yeah, out the yeah, door at six o'clock. Damn dirty lie. It, it, She's yeah. not listening. Yeah. yeah, she just. I don't even know why she asked me every day. Because so, so you said six, say, it'll be seven. Yeah, okay, exactly. Got it. She, whatever yeah, I say, she right. adds at least an hour to it. She's like, yeah. So I think being able to to have good teams around you, you know, having Joe as part of your staff of your your quality control staff, right? Doing so he's stuff, here right? yeah. now, and um, I met him when he was working with you, yeah. And for you guys here, like here at this location, and uh, I think the whole Joe is one of the most humble guys you ever meet, but you know he's never going to understand or realize really that he's like. The savant. At least in the Midwest region, <laughs> if not like a third of the country, I think he's one of the best. And most brightest, like brewing minds in the country. Savant. 
For sure. <laughs> so, yeah, we both had the pleasure of working it's, with it's him. Joe just there. Yeah, he's like, he pushes God, you. this beer tastes really this good. This isn't awkward at all. Ha- yeah. honey, he's tearing it apart. He's still sitting there being like, yeah, we screwed this up and that up. But, like, Joe, <laughs> Joe will will cut you down, but it's never in a – it doesn't – it, like, Joe, Joe's superpower is just actually, like, thoroughly thinking through oh, yeah. what it is. So he's oh, not going to yeah. say something until he's, like, pretty sure you know something and he'll be like well what is this and you go well i really actually think and you're like damn it that makes sense i feel stupid every time i'm like it seems so apparent yeah. but of course once yeah. the puzzle's revealed you know, you know the magic tricks there and you're like but he's just ahead of you, you. know like the case podcast could have gone so much differently if <laughs> instead of you saying pretty sure you said drunk <laughs> <laughs> you know like yeah, it depends <laughs> on that too that's a factor yeah. like so. case in point you know I, I think being in the industry now these days you have to you have to there's a lot of lean planning right like we mm-hmm. talked about mm-hmm. um surround yourself with really 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 intelligent people that are willing to also kind of go outside their their comfort zones too because i think we all have to feel that and and again to help you stay alive at home so you can keep coming back here to do this there's a lot of things that go into it and i think that don't it's not always thought about the whole way through when when you when you kind of start a brewery um and it can weigh on you you know in different scenarios and life happen too um you're a dog chasing a car you know like so so you know i think that the the industry is a little different you know when we started it was a little different you know, at the end of the day, I think everything happens for a reason, and I'm happy to be in a different spot where um, I still get to work with, you know, people that I, grew, you know, grew up in the beer industry with and, and in Madison, even though I, I'm in Lake Geneva, uh, which is a whole different beer drinking experience and I had clientele. So much fun when I came out there that <laughs> like, night. That was a blast. Yeah, and Lake Geneva was beautiful. You too, know, man. and yeah, and huh? so you know, there's challenges that come in with that. Uh, there's challenges. You know, even though it's a smaller brewery, it's there's still challenges that go along with it. I mean, obviously, trying to get beer contracted with you guys and going through that. Um, you know, having to do that. So there there's also some nice things about just um not owning the brewery and and and, and, and seriously like and just be waking up and going all right we're going to go make a batch of beer today and i'm fairly confident it's going to turn out really well and if it doesn't turn out super well it's going to still get drank in 3 weeks so i mean our our bar goes through beer so fast so um it's just kind of a different experience and using different ingredients and thinking different ways and making yeah. sour beers and holy cow i'm just like what like it's really it's kind of like and i like the way they taste too um which i never did so i think you know i'm evolving my palate's evolving and and you know we're all evolving all the time sure i mean you know even as uh you know we want to we want to stay in the with dean over on the island with the gun up going come back guys um i'm still there yeah (laughs) you're not completely there i think you understand a lot of why people do things and and that there's a way to do them in a really tasteful way yeah 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 Yeah, right not preference it's kind of you know it's weird making sours but i think making sours um you know in in a little bit more way to protect your system and stuff like that you could think you can do really good stuff i actually like i i took to sour beers before I took to hoppy beers. Like hoppy beer was an adjustment for me. You know, once I got there, I loved them. But, but sour beer, the first time I tried a sour beer, it was, I was at New Belgium and it was Lawfully. Was it Lawfully? It was Lawfully in yeah. Transatlantic Creek. Oh, wow. Back in like, I want to say it was 
2004, maybe it was just before I moved here. And I was just like, what is this delicious, delicious beer? I, yeah. I loved it. And now like my relationship with sour beers, I mean, I think, you know, I'm not quite, I, I, I see the validity of, of kettle sours. I think there's a, it's a tool that you can do really cool things with. Mm. What I don't like is the trend toward like adding a bunch of unfermented fruit after and just packaging it that way. Like those yeah. kinds of beers don't appeal to me, but even the kinds of sours I love, like Lambics and, and like old school Flanders Reds, like I, I, they wear out my, my palate, you know, I, and, and like my stomach, I'm just like, Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have another one of these. Yeah, that was you three know, point, but, that was 3.5 pH. I don't know if just, I should be drinking yeah, a lot it's of just that. weird how that works. It's like, you know, a certain kitchen manager being, you know, given 20 bucks to drink a bottle of balsamic vinegar, <laughs> maybe hypothetically. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> no, no, that's Boone's farm, <laughs> <laughs> right? No, but, but like, it's, it's weird how, you know, the way that, that your tastes change, like something that like grabbed my attention right away. I was like, this is great. I love this. And now I'm kind of like, I want to like this more than I'm liking it right now. Whereas like hoppy beer, it was like, yeah, the enamel's being scraped off my teeth. And it took me like probably a solid year to come around to hoppy beer. But now I'm just like, uh, give me more. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, that. That's sort of the change in the industry too. I think there's in the style of hoppy beer, how we make hoppy beer. I mean, some of the stuff we've talked about, like those technique, you know, just cool. Like that, I, that wasn't even something I thought about even until three years ago. And it makes delicious results. So it's just weird, you know, just like you hadn't seen, heard of a shell and tube, you know, how that can, and this stuff is just always coming at us. And I think that, Again, with a really good team, you have people out there in different fringes reading and hearing and, you know, he's always doing research or different, you know, he's connected to different. So you're going to get that information, that data flowing to you. And, and I think that's, that's what helps evolution. You know, it's. What's your guys' favorite story from when you were in this location? Because you guys have both worked <laughs> together in this location and at the Pankratz location too. This has to be G-rated, right? I'm just kidding. Not necessarily. There's not as many f bombs since Murph yeah, is. Patrick's done. gone, so there's less swearing. <laughs> Patrick but. went to Iowa, so there's a lot less f bombs after the third beer. Robinson Crusoe. Although Joe, less swearing. Joe God. dropped a few with the uh, with the floor stacker. Floor, I think yeah. he actually said f your grandma, yeah. something yeah. in there. Yeah, uh, grandma. But into favorite it. story when you guys I were. I didn't bring grandma into it. <laughs> I, I responded to the grandma being brought into it. <laughs> so whether it's like production related or just backstory related you guys favorite when you were here it's hard to not throw people under the bus i i gotta you know it's not really a story of something happening it's something it's some work i did here i want to let chris go first though because like i'm gonna be on this shit all the time and chris is not <laughs> you know there's so many stories maybe a favorite joe story then yeah well, actually, Joe wasn't actually with us too many too long while we were here. We like was it year year like a year, and then you left. No, I I started in twenty ten. Yeah, and then but then you left for a couple of years, and then you came back basically a little bit later. I mean, I think I think my favorite story that Joe presented and came in. He's like, so you guys are dry hopping a beer that you only got. 10 barrels on with just leaving it at 15 barrels. And, you know, I'm thinking, and I know math and I oh, know how to still do the math. Same recipe for 15. <laughs> yes. Same, same dry hop load. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, like why would you guys that? be doing that? <laughs> and I, 
And you know, it never, it, I would just always kind of be like, all right, we did 15 barrels. And then, I mean, that was some of the reasons I think probably why we had just, you know, up and down product sometimes, but you know, him coming in and just ask these like really, really like mathematically simple questions that I just, again, was just overlooking. Cause I'm like thinking about the 5,000 other things that go into business. Um, you know, him just coming in and teaching us how to really approach the scientific side of beer, how how to think about the scientific side of beer. You know, we were just, I mean, we were simply brewers. We made good beer. Sanitation was huge. Dean taught me really well. And Dean always made great beers. But once you get into production, it's a whole different story in trying to reproduce these beers all the time. So, you know, him coming in here and just, be both being a brewer because he knows how to make beer himself, which I know, and he makes great beers at home, and I've always tasted them like they're fantastic. And the heart of an engineer, yeah, and then and then exactly all of this this complete engineer skills behind it. It was it was cool. So you know that's that's a that's a Joe story. I mean, there's so many stories that we had here. It's just like oh man, yeah, I'm doing so much. But yeah, I mean, when Joe came in, I think our products started getting much 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 more consistent and better. Um, and there are things we couldn't even do to change anything because it was like we needed a better glycol system and a new CO two system and we needed you know we needed xyz um that's probably why we moved you know we needed some of that stuff wanted some of that stuff so um that's kind of one of my one of my stories you know what was one of the things that was really fun here was figuring out the the average composition of the water so this is and and just a little bit of recent history i just gave a talk about about kind of brew house efficiency and louder simulations and stuff like that it was at the the wisconsin brewers guild the uh, their tech conference this last December. And one of the things I, I put up there were, were a couple of slides of troubleshooting at this location. And, and what it was, was just initially was what's our brew house efficiency. And so I took our, our, a bunch of production data because this company was always good at logging data, you know, and it was in yeah. a, it was in a spreadsheet and I was like picking all that stuff out and sorting it. And I, put up this plot of of what our different brew house efficiencies were and, and the most efficient beer was Ambergadden. And I was like, this makes no sense. I'm like, <laughs> Ambergadden is like, you know, at a it's not super high gravity, but it's at a high enough gravity that it, it should be less efficient than Hopalicious. Yep. It should be less efficient than, you know, like Hefe. And and I'm and so I I started thinking like maybe the water's the issue. And so I had to filter the the beer f- for just using the first brews of the day because the the water changes you got this hot liquor tank that's you're pulling in madison water that's high in calcium carbonate so you heat it up and it drops chalk so you lose calcium you lose carbonate and it's constantly dropping chalk while you're refilling it while you're brewing and so i was like okay well if i do if i only use the first brew of the day data i'm taking it at the same point in time every day before it's been fucked with <laughs> yeah. you know so that's a good you know and sometimes you only do one or two batches instead of three and so that's you know i figured a good starting point and so i i took the brew house efficiencies. And I I did two things to it. Uh, The one thing I did was I said, we need to normalize this for gravity. So uh, a high gravity beer is essentially cutting off the louder of a low gravity beer early. So you're going to be less efficient. So I said, I'm going to put in like some crude simulation and say, what would this beer be if it was something like eight Play-Doh, you know, fully sparged. And so I normalized the data that way. And then I looked at each grain bill and I said, what's the ideal residual alkalinity of the water for this grain bill? You know, what would get us the mash pH we want? 
So I plotted the, I guess what I would call the, the reference brew house efficiency, that fully sparged like hypothetical number against the ideal residual alkalinity of the grain bill. And I got a fucking triangle that peaked at Ambergenon. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so what that tells me is that our average water is roughly this residual alkalinity. And therefore we need to change all our acid malt amounts for each recipe to hit this. And it, and then I showed the graph of like what the brew house efficiencies were after that. That was fun. Like being able to do that was fun. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah. Joe Waltz. There, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, exactly. Case in point of what I was kind of mentioning before. There you go. It, it's sometimes you you just have to nod and go, uh-huh. Got remember, it. Yep. Remember we did a, <laughs> a common thread brew years ago. We were doing like an India pale, American pale lager or something here. We, we brewed it at K4. And Joe was in for that brew day, and we were talking and jamming one time. And I was like, yeah, what are some things I can do? And Joe was like, yeah, if I was ever here working here, he's like, I already got a short list of stuff to do. First of all, I wouldn't let you put a hose in the floor over there and leave that one valve open, you bunch of idiots. <laughs> he started going on the list. I was like, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's pretty obvious, and I'm an idiot. So there we go. You know, yeah, we're How did I make it this far? Sometimes. How did I make it this far? So, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. What about the new building when you guys – we're getting that up. Did you? Was there a lot of a uh, lot of try, a lot of math when you guys had like the new? I mean, you designed the new brew house yeah. after kind of the old one with the external calandry and bit. such. And I actually, when I came in for my brother's wedding in July of 2012, I went over to Sprinkman because they were the hot liquor tank that's in here was they had a refurbished dairy tank they were doing for me. So I went to go look at it, and your brew house was still just being finished on the yeah. floor. So I got to crawl yeah. around it a little bit, and I was like, oh dang, look at this thing. Mm. What was the transition like trying to like match up all the different ways it was cooking? Because now you had like a better, more efficient, louder, you had a mash mix, you had all the different kind of stuff that like changed everything. Yeah. I, I mean, we did a lot of like obviously scale up, you know, to the size. We were pulling from some different wells, I think, you know, a couple different yeah, wells. So three, we needed to, yeah. yeah, we needed to like kind of normalize some data. And I think it was more just use what we had here as a good base point. And then let's make some beer, get some data, right? And, and then be able to kind of start moving that. And then I think, I don't know, we got to, we started getting more batches. And I remember we started getting more data back and all of a sudden he's plotting more and, he, and he's finally getting normalization in batch batches, alcohol, IBUs, you know, if grain efficiencies, even as grain would change efficiencies, we were getting the same, you know, efficiency in the brew house and we're getting the same colors and, but it took a little bit. And, and I don't know on your end what you were doing. I think, I don't know if you needed more data or if you were just kind of like, all right, we just got to kind of go at this. That No, one of the, one of the really cool things about dialing that in was that I got to kind of drive the boat in terms of, you know, I was like, I need something. And so I would tell the brewers, like, I need you to record this, I would like, you know, we had that, that spreadsheet that was basically our brew log where each column was a different batch. And I, you know, if I needed something, I would add a row and I would tell, you know, Ernie and scope, I'd be like, okay, guys, you need to start like yeah. recording this now. Yeah, I need this data point. And yeah. Some of it was me going to the brew house and taking some measurements myself. Like I, if I needed pHs for something, I would, I would go in and do that a lot of the time, but you know, it was, it, it was cool to develop you know, a system that, that sort of dialed that in. It was also cool when like Sprinkman came and like turned around the water rakes the right way and yeah. turned the feet on them. The right <laughs> yeah. There was some mechanical, I, I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, seriously. There was there was some stuff that you it know happens. If, man. You know, if I did it again, I'd 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 think about those things. You know, yeah. um, and and I actually took that to you know octopi and showed you know a handful of people like w- what you can do with like sort of a comprehensive you know it's basically a spreadsheet that mm-hmm. you know lets you dial stuff in like the color was a big thing because you get your specialty malts in it they're all over the map and so we we did a whole lot of lot tracking to to maintain the consistency consistency of our beers in terms of color but at a place like octopi where almost everything you're brewing is variations of pale malt and then going for maximum haze like it doesn't matter you know when you look at the different priorities at different breweries you know for them it was like we want to use whole bags of grain we want to use whole you know now 11 pound boxes of hops because that's become much more common than you know with with us initially it was like you get the 44 pound brick and you're like (laughs) i I used to throw it from above my head like i would start with the box i'd throw it on the concrete from above my head you know usually it didn't break open and then you had to like shiv the hops with a knife because they were like you know they were pelletized at such hot temperatures but yeah so so the way that the the logistics of that kind of work like they didn't really need that stuff you know, but I do still have it on the back burner to to do here where we can make adjustments on the fly saying like type in what your beer is, type in what tank you're going into. And, you know, you got your like current lot and upcoming lot like right there so that a brewer can type in the weight if it changes over lots and it'll adjust the base malt to get your Just color. And like we always so, wanted yeah. it to do. So that was that was a lot of fun to, yeah. to make work. It was a lot of work too. I mean, there was a lot of stuff to do. It's, you know, day to day plus all the other stuff that we did sometimes, um, you know, like I said, I think getting data and collecting that over time was the biggest thing. And I'm still using a version of that spreadsheet with data points from there on a little four barrel electric brew house. It's not quite the same, but my beers have turned out like I really thought they would. Yeah. The specs are scalable. Like if you look at the right things, yeah, if you're not just going by ingredients. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and even with that, you know, it doesn't really, doesn't do the grain as well. It does the hops really well. Um, but the, you gave me that grain, the grain one where I can figure out the color and just, you know, kind of do some other stuff. So um, it's kind of nice. You just got to get on the updated sheet, bro. Yeah. I, I know. I, I, I need the new auto tune. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's like auto brewing. Yeah. This is me without Joe Waltz. Auto auto brune, auto brune. Um, I hate I hate to hey. cut myself short here. Um, I actually have to meet a friend down at the uh, at no, the arcade no, that's downtown. Good. Yeah, I'm supposed to be um, at dinner. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you were supposed to be. Yeah, here. yeah. In ten minutes, you're supposed to be my yeah. family at. Uh, um, eight. And uh, I need to get so the get the yeast up. that I brought. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we got the wrap Here's up from the, the producer, yeah. Chris. Um, dude, we I, we just barely scratched the surface here, bro. So yeah. next yeah, time back, we're yeah. recording and stuff, we'll, we'll come we gotta back. have you come back up, tell more stories. Like, yeah, like this yeah. is great. Man. Yeah, no, Thank it's you. fun. You Thank know, I'd like to drink in. a little bit more. I like, you know, I we all like to have a couple beers and stuff. So thank you for letting me ambush you. Oh, maybe we'll just get like a full on three hour recording session. We all just we all like talking about beer. You know, it's, I mean, I, I like to hear about how, you know, your side of things too, because you, you have a story for your side of, you know, like how you guys came into this place and, and how now you, you are expanding and, and, and how a lot of things have come back sort of full circle, like in a weird sort of way, um, which again, are, is always, I always, I'm always happy about things going well for everybody. So it's like a Kuna Matata now. Kuna Matata. It's all coming back. (laughs) 
All right, guys. Well, thanks for thanks for tuning Thank in. You. Thanks again thanks for, for Chris me. for letting us ambush him here. Cheers, everybody. That was uh, sports. Have a great weekend. I swear, I swear on my life over here. <laughs> I did not. That was not planned. We had huh? called Chris earlier today. Thought maybe we, this something like this could take place, and here you guys saw it live, yeah. man. A phone are. rang, and you heard me answer. There that we was are. stars aligned. <laughs> that was real. That was real. So that's pretty cool. That was a fun episode. I hope you all have a good weekend. So yeah, so you guys have questions. Uh, uh, that you want to answer or you want answered uh, technical stuff, hit up our social media, hit up our uh, just like info at carbon four would be a great place. Put podcasts in the, uh, in the tagline that it'll, it'll make its way to us. Uh, we'd love your feedback any input you have questions, stuff like that. That's great. And uh, hope to see you sometime here soon at the, at the brewery in our tap room. We still got patties, patties throwing excellent food Tuesday through uh, Saturday, I think, or through Sunday, maybe Sunday we have a guest in here all the time. But uh, there's still great food, guys, and uh, and we also make pizzas and stuff like that. So we come get on, get some food, get some good beer. Thanks for helping us celebrate our 10-year anniversary. Thank you, Madison. Thank Happy you, anniversary. Madison. Cheers. Salut. Thanks for listening to the Carbon 4 podcast, an unhinged brewery tour. Visit the tap room here in Madison, Wisconsin. Be sure to mention the K4 podcast to get a BOGO beer deal or visit carbon4.com or wiscopopsoda.com. Enter the promo code unhinged to receive 10% off your purchase and follow Carbon4 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Send in your questions, comments for the team. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.